President Commission on Radiation. Testimony Bill Clinton didn't want you to hear. Here is a story that was not covered in any daily newspaper or by any television news service anywhere in the world. It was a brief few minutes of testimony before the President's Committee on Human Radiation and Experiments, a committee which President Bill Clinton had appointed to look into the revelation that American children had been experimented upon with radioactive substances and devices. On March 15, 1995, female children who were experimented on with the radiation spoke about their additional experiment and traumatization by mind control. They named the names of the doctors and told the committee where to look for the doctrination to prove the truth of their memories. Officially, the president asked the committee to analyze the questions. What is the federal government's responsibility for wrongs and harms to human subjects as a result of experiments with ionizing radiation? What remedies are appropriate for those wronged or harmed? And what lessons learned from studying research standards and practices in the past and present can be applied to the future? The committee is composed of 14 members, all of whom are naturally recognized experts in bioethics, epidemiology, radiation, oncology, and biology, history of science, law, and nuclear medicine. The committee is composed of Reed V. Tuckerson, M.D., Duncan C. Thomas, Ph.D., Mary Ann Stevenson, M.D., and Philip K. Russell, M.D., Henry Dave Royal, M.D., Nancy L. Ostrich, Ph.D., Louis Norris, a retired bank president, Ruth Macklin, Ph.D., Susan E. Lender, Ph.D., Patricia A. King, J.D., J. Katz, M.D., Ellie Glassstein, M.D., and Kenneth R. Feinberg, J.D. The committee was chaired by Ruth Faden, a citizen representative, a distinguished bioethicist from John Hopkins University. According to the government's briefing sheet, printed on recycled paper, of course, the committee's charter included the review of experiments conducted since the 1940s with ionizing radiation and the investigation of specific intentional releases of radiation into the environment. The committee's mandate did not include common and routine clinical practices such as established diagnosis and treatment methods. An important question is how to define the difference between ordinary practice and experimental procedures. The briefing sheet stated, Another important question is whether accidental exposures gave agencies or researchers a chance to conduct, quote, experiments of opportunity. The mind control experiments we're about to hear described would fall into that category. The finding of the committee will be a report soon issued to an integral working group composed of the secretaries of the Department of Defense, Energy, Health and Human Services, Justice and Veteran Affairs, and the directors of the Central Intelligence Agency and the Office of Management and Budget and the administrator of the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. The briefing sheet said, curiously, 
All of these agencies have been named by survivors of the mind control operations as agencies involved in trauma-based programming. The latest testimony from survivors would appear to indicate that it was important to apply various forms of radiation on the human mind in an attempt to come up with what has been called artificial ESP as used in a mental telepathy system. On March 14, 1985, Louisiana social worker and mind control deprogrammer Valerie Wolf, BCSW and ACSW, told members of the President's Committee on Radiation about her experiences with survivors of mind control experimentation and operations which spanned almost 50 years. A licensed sociologist from New Orleans, Wolf, offered her testimony and voluminous supporting evidence to the committee in a hearing in Washington, D.C. on March 15th. Focusing on the 9,000 children who were targets of radiation experiments conducted by the Atomic Energy Commission and kept secret under the National Security Act, the precious 10 minutes granted Ms. Wolf was a precedent-setting digression from the investigator's agenda. For the very first time in history, officials heard evidence of the atrocities of mind control which were committed under the radiation research cover. Ms. Wolf is among a number of independent researchers around the world who have come up with identical cases in which survivors of radiation treatment describe lifelong mind control abuses at the hands of the U.S. government. While the radiation research was conducted under the direction of the Atomic Energy Commission, Many of the same scientists who were involved in CIA's MKUltra program acted as overseers of the radiation experiments. According to the witnesses, among other scientists, were the prominent doctors Martin T. Orn, a psychiatrist from the University of Pennsylvania, Dr. Sidney Gottlieb, the CIA's in-house psychiatrist, and the late L. W. Green, Wilson Green, a U.S. Army colonel assigned to Fort Detrick, long rumored to have been a protege of Jose Mengele, the infamous Nazi doctor who experimented in similar ways with unwitting human guinea pigs in concentration camps. After listening to a number of witnesses testify to their use of human guinea pigs in the government's radiation experiments, it was Valerie Wolf's turn to address the panel of scientists appointed by President Clinton. Valerie Wolf. The testimony today all sounds really familiar. I am here to talk about a possible link between radiation mind control experiments that began in the late 1940s. The main reason that mind control research is being mentioned is because people are alleging that, as children, they were used in mind control, drug, and chemical experimentation, which were administered by the same doctors who were known to have been involved in conducting false radiation and mind control research. Written documentation has been provided revealing the number of people, the names of the research projects, and statements from people across the country. It's also important to understand that mind control techniques and follow-ups into adulthood may have been used to intimate these particular research subjects into not talking about their victimization in this research. As a therapist for the past 22 years, I've specialized in treating victims and perpetrators of trauma and their families. When word got out that I was appearing at this hearing, nearly 40 therapists across the country, and I had about a week and a half to prepare, 
contact me to talk about clients who had reported being subject to radiation and mind control experiments. The consistency of people's stories about the purposes of this mind control and pain induction techniques such as electroshock, use of hallucinogens, sensory deprivation, hypnosis, dislocation of limbs, and sexual abuse is remarkable. There is almost nothing published on this aspect of mind control abuse of children, and these clients come from all over the country, having had no contact with each other. What was starting was that therapists reported that many of these clients who were also physically ill with autoimmune problems, thyroid problems, multiple sclerosis, and other muscles and connective tissue diseases, as well as serious ailments for which a diagnosis cannot be found. While somatization disorder is commonly found in those clients, many of these clients who have been involved in human experimentation with the government have multiple medical documented physical ailments. I was really shocked today to hear one of the speakers talk about these cysts and his teeth breaking off because I have a client who's that happening to now. It is unclear if these physical disorders and symptoms are caused by radiation or drugs used in the experiments. Many people are afraid to tell the doctors their history as mind control subjects will fear being considered to be crazy. These clients have named some of the people, particularly Dr. Green, who is associated with client reports of childhood induction of pain, mind control techniques, and childhood sexual abuse. One of my clients had seen him with the name tag identify him as Dr. L. Wilson Green. A person of this same name was a scientific director of the Chemical and Radiological Laboratory at the Army Chemical Center and that he was engaged in doing research for the Army and other intelligence agencies. Other names that have come up to light are Dr. Sidney Gottlieb and Dr. Martin Orn, who it is reported were also involved in radiation research. It needs to be made clear that these people have remembered these names and events spontaneously with free recall and without the use of any memory retrieval techniques such as hypnosis. As much as possible, we have tried to verify the memories with family members and experts in the field. Many attempts have been made through the Freedom of Information Act filings to gain access to the mind control research documentation. These requests have generally been slowed down or denied, although some information has been obtained which suggests that at least some of the information supplied by these clients is true. It is important that we obtain all the information contained in the CIA and military files to verify or deny our clients' memories. Although many of the files for MKUltra may have been destroyed, whatever is left, along with files from other projects such as Bluebird and Artichoke, to name only a few, contain valuable information. Furthermore, if, as the evidence suggests, some of these people were used in radiation experiments, there might be information on the mind control experiments on file. If there are radiation files within mind control files, then people across the country may then possibly have the documentation to take to their doctors to assist in their medical treatment. We need this information to help in the rehabilitation and treatment of many people who have severe psychological and medical problems which interfere with their social, emotional, and financial well-being. Finally, I urge you to recommend an investigation into these matters. And although there was a commission on mind control, it did not include experiments on children because most of them were too young or still involved in the research in the 1970s to come forward. 
The only way to end the harassment and suffering of these people is to make public what has happened to them in mind control experiments. Please recommend that there be an investigation and that the files be open on mind control experiments as they relate to experimentation on children. Thank you for listening to us. Valerie Wolf introduced the next witness, Christine DeNicola, saying as Chris DeNicola's therapist, I wish to document the process of how she recovered her memories of being used as a subject in governmental experiments involving radiation and mind control. All of Chris's memories have emerged spontaneously with free recall. No memory recovery techniques such as hypnosis or sodium and pamethol have been used. For the first two years of treatment, Chris remembered only Dr. Green and her father, as well as other men whose names she did not know. Several months ago, after completing a memory, she asked for pen and paper and began to write out confidential CIA and military memos. I had never told her anything about government and CIA involvement in the type of mind control techniques that she had remembered, nor to my knowledge had she ever read anything on the subject. While she knows some of my other clients who have been in subject to mind control techniques, she has had no opportunity to speak with them. This memory came up unexpectedly, as did the radiation memories. She has since remembered many more memos and project, subproject, and experiment names, as well as code numbers. We have not had the opportunity to check the validity of these memories and would welcome the opportunity to do so. Christine Nicola. I'm Christine Nicola, born July 1962, rendering me 32 years of age. I was a subject in radiation as well as mind control and drug experiments performed by a man I knew as Dr. Green. My parents were divorced around 1966 and Donald Richard Ebner, my natural father, was involved with Dr. Green in the experiments. I was a subject from 1966 to 1976. Dr. Green performed radiation experiments on me in 1970, focusing on my neck, throat, and chest. In 1972, focusing on my chest and uterus in 1975. Each time I became dizzy, nauseous, and threw up. All these experiments were performed on me in conjunction with mind control techniques in Tucson, Arizona. Dr. Green was using me mostly as a mind control subject from 1966 to 1973. His objective was to gain control of my mind and train me to be a spy or assassin. The first significant memory took place at Kansas City University in 1966. Don Ebner took me there by a plane when my mom was out of town. I was at what looked like a laboratory and there seems to be other children. I was strapped down, naked, spread-eagled on a table on my back. Dr. Green had electrodes on my body, including my head. He used to what looked like an overhead projector and repeatedly said was burning different images into my brain, while a red light flashed aimed at my forehead. In between each sequence, he used electric shock on my body and told me to go deeper and deeper while repeating, each image will go deeper and deeper into my brain, and I would do whatever he told me to do. I felt drugged because he had given me a shot before he started his procedure. When it was over, he gave me another shot. The next thing I remember, I was with my grandparents again in Tucson, Arizona. I was four years old. You can see from this experimentation that Dr. Green used trauma, drugs, post-hypnotic suggestion, and more traumas in an effort to gain control over my mind. 
He used me in radiation experiments for the purpose of determining the effects of radiation on various parts of my body to terrorize me as the additional trauma in the mind control experiments. The rest of the experiments took place in Tucson, Arizona, out in the desert. I was taught how to pick locks, be secretive, use my photographic memory, and a technique to withhold information by repeating numbers to me. Dr. Green moved on to wanting me to kill dolls and look like real children. I stabbed a doll with a spear after being severely traumatized, but the next time I refused. He used many torture techniques, but as I got older, I resisted more and more. He often tied me down in a cage which was near his office. Between 1972 and 1976, he and his assistants were sometimes careless and left the cage unlocked. Whenever I was physically possible, I snuck into his office and found files and reports and memos addressing the CIA and military personnel. Included in his files were projects and sub-projects, subjects and experiment names of some code numbers for radiation and mind control experiments, which I have submitted in written documentation. I was caught twice and Dr. Green tortured me ruthlessly with erotic shock, drugs, and spinning me on a table, putting shots in my stomach, in my back, dislocating my joints, and hypnotic techniques to make me feel crazy and suicidal. I protected the information by using the technique I had been taught. I repeated him over and over. They came too quick. I didn't have a chance to see anything. Because of my rebellion and growing lack of cooperation, they gave up on me as a spy assassin. Consequently, the last few years, 1974 to 1976, Dr. Green used various mind control techniques to reverse the spy effects with messages to self-destruct and death messages. His purpose? He wanted me dead, and I struggled to stay alive all of my adult life. I believe it is by the grace of God that I am still alive. These horrible experiments have profoundly affected my life. I developed multiple personality disorder because of Dr. Green's goal was to split my mind into as many parts as possible so he could control me totally. He failed. But I've had to endure years of constant physical, mental, and emotional pain even to this day. I've been in therapy consistently for 12 years, and it wasn't until I found my current therapist two and a half years ago who had knowledge of the mind control experiments that I've been able to make real progress and begin to heal. In closing, I ask that you keep that these memories I described are but a glimpse of the countless others that took place over the 10 years between 1966 and 1976. They weren't just radiation, but mind control and drug experiments as well. I have included more detailed information of what I remember in the original documentation. Please help us by recommending an investigation and making information available so that therapists and other mental health professionals can help more people like me. I know I can get better. I know others can too, with the proper help. Please help us in an effort to prevent these heinous acts from continuing in the future. Valerie Wolf introduced the next witness. As Claudia S. Mullen's therapist, I would like to document her memory recovery process. She referred to me after being sexually assaulted, but did not respond to treatment initially. She was constantly remembering being abused and became dysfunctional and suicidal. After about nine months of therapy, she came to therapy one day with MKUltra written with her and other words on a piece of paper. 
from that point on, she began to work on the mind control issues and began to improve. All of her memories have emerged spontaneously without the use of memory enhancement techniques such as hypnosis or sodium amethyl. I told her nothing about government and CIA research projects. To the best of my knowledge, she has read nothing about mind control or CIA covert operations since she decided to listen carefully and remember as much as she could about conversations among the researchers. Her memories are extraordinarily complete. I have sent written copies of memories to Dr. Alan Schleffen for validation and he has confirmed that she has knowledge of events and people that are not published anywhere, that some of her memories contain new information and that some are already known and published. Some of her memories have been confirmed by family members. She has also shown me old scrapbooks where she wrote notes to remember what was happening to her and had her notes under the pictures in a scrapbook. Claudia Mullen Between the years between 1957 and 1984, I became a pawn in a government scheme whose ultimate goal was to use mind control and to create this perfect spy, all through the use of chemicals, radiation, drugs, hypnosis, electric shock, isolation in tubs of water, food deprivation, brainwashing, and verbal, physical, and emotional sexual abuse. I was exploited unwittingly for nearly three decades of my life, and the only explanations given to me were that the end justifies the means, and I was serving my country in the bold effort to fight communism. I can only summarize my circumstances by saying they took an already abused seven-year-old child and compounded my suffering beyond belief. The saddest part is I know for a fact I was not alone. There were countless other children in my same situation and there was not one of us to help until now. I've already submitted as much information as possible including conversations overheard of the people and agencies responsible. I'm able to report to you in such graphic detail because of my photographic memory and the arrogance of the doctors involved who were certain that they could always control my mind and behavior. Although the process of recalling these atrocities is certainly not an easy task, nor is it without some danger to myself and my family, I feel it is a risk worth taking. Dr. L. Wisson Green who claimed to have received $50 million for his Army Chemical and Radiological Corporation as part of the TSD, Technical Science Division of the CIA, once described to Dr. Charles L. Brown, Children were used as subjects because they are more fun to work with and cheaper too. They needed lower profile subjects than soldiers or government people, so only young willing females will do. Well, besides, he said, I like scaring them. They and the agency think I'm a god, creating subjects and experiments for whatever deviant purposes Dr. Sidney Gottlieb and Dr. James Hamilton can think up. In 1958, I was to be tested, they told me, by some important doctors coming from a place called the Society, the Human Ecology Society. I was told to cooperate, answer any other questions, then, since the test might hurt, I would be given shots, x-rays, and a few jolts of electricity. I was also instructed not to look at anyone's face too hard and to ignore names, as this was a very secret project. To be brave, and all those things would help me forget, naturally as most children do, 
I did the opposite and remembered as much as I could. Dr. John Gittinger tested me, and Dr. Cameron gave me shocks and Dr. Green the X-rays. Then I was told by Sid Gottlieb that I was right for the big A, meaning artichoke. By the time I left to go home, just like every other time from then on, I would recall nothing of my tests or the different doctors. I would only remember whatever explanations Dr. Robert Duvon, Tulane Medical University, gave me for the odd bruise or needle mark, burns on my head, and even genital soreness. I had no reason to believe otherwise. They'd already begun to control my mind. The next year I was sent to a place in Maryland called Deep Creek Cabins to learn how to sexually please men. I was taught how to coerce them into talking about themselves. It was Richard Helms, Deputy Director of the CIA, Dr. Gottlieb, Captain George White, and Morse Allen, who all planned on filming as many high government officials and heads of economic situations and foundations as possible, so that later, when the funding for mind control and radiation started to dwindle, then the projects would be continued at any cost. I was to become a regular little spy for them after that summer, eventually entrapping many unwitting men, including themselves, all with the use of hidden cameras. I was only nine when this kind of sexual humiliation began. I overheard conversations about part of the agency called ORD, Office of Research and Development, which was run by Dr. Green, Dr. Stephen Aldrich, Martin Orne, and Morris Allen. Once a crude remark was made by Dr. Gottlieb about certain household leaks all over the New Orleans involving a large group of retarded children who were being given massive doses of radiation. He asked, why were Wilson so worried about a few retarded kids? After all, they would be the least likely to spill the beans. Another time, I heard Dr. Martin Orne, who was then the director of the scientific office of later head of the Institute of Experimental Research, state that in order to keep more funding coming from different sources for radiation mind control, he suggested stepping up the amounts of the all stressors used and also the blackmail portion of the experiments. He said it needed to be done faster and then get rid of the subjects as it was asking for us to come back and haunt them by remembering. There's much more I can tell you about government-sponsored research, including project names, subproject names, subproject numbers, and the people involved, facilities used, humiliating tests, and other forms of torture and abuse. Uh, but I think I've given more than enough information to recommend further investigation of all the mind control projects, especially if they involve so much use of radiation. I would love more than more than to say that I dreamed all this up and need to just forget it but that would be a tragic mistake. Not only that, it would all be a lie. All these atrocities did occur to me and to countless other children, and all under the guise of defending our country. It is because of the cumulative effect of exposure to radiation, chemical, drugs, torture, and subsequent mental and physical distress that I have been robbed of the ability to work and even to bear children of my own. It's blatantly obvious that none of this was needed, nor should this have ever been allowed to take place at all. The only means we have to seek out the awful truth and bring to light, no matter how disgusting, 
is by opening whatever files remain on all the projects through another presidential commission on mind control. I believe that every citizen of this great nation has a right to know just what is fact and what is fiction. It is our greatest protection against the possibility of this ever happening again. Therefore now, I leave this matter in your capable hands. I can offer you no more than what I've given you today, the truth. Question period. Scientist one. Can I ask either of you, were you or your parents through all of this? Do you have any idea of how you were recruited in the first place? Do you have parents? Do, you, do your parents know anything about what was going on? Cristola Nicola. It was my father who was involved with Dr. Green. They were divorced when I was four years old. Before that, they were separated. What happened was that for these experiments, he would sneak in while my mom was asleep. She had absolutely no knowledge of what happened. However, when these memories did surface and I began to tell her about them, there was no question in her mind that was, that was capable. He had been in the military and the Air Force. He had access to Dr. Green. In answer to your question, it was my father who groomed me for these from the very beginning, starting with sexual abuse, using me from the very beginning, and it was just something that he wanted to do, and he was closely involved with Dr. Green. But my mom had no knowledge. The only thing she knew was she wanted to get away from him. She didn't know why, she just had to get away from him. Claudia Mullen. The way I got involved, I was adopted when I was two, and one half by a woman who sexually abused me. Then she appointed to chairman of the board of Tulane University. And at the time when I began to show symptoms typical of childhood abuse when I was very young, she sent me to a psychiatrist who was involved in the project already. So when he had discovered that I had already been abused from the time I was practically born and that I had the ability to disassociate and that I had almost perfect recall and I passed all the personality tests that they gave me, but put me into a project anyway. My father had no idea. He died when I was very young. I don't know if my mother knows or not. I don't think she really cared. Then she died when I was juvenile. Scientist 2. You mentioned that there are others across the country who are recalling similar things. Do they all cover the same time span generally? Valerie Wolf. Yes, they cover the same time span from the late 1940s until... One of the things we're learning about is people who were assigned to monitor them in the case they were starting to remember. It's so horrible what we've done. So we're not exactly sure when the actual experiments took place and when it got into just monitoring to make sure they don't recall. Not everybody is monitored, but yes, pretty much from the late 1940s to the 1970s. Scientist. Until 1984, Christine Nicola. Later than that, because after my parents died, my particular monitor was a physician active at university for several years. He kept on making sure I kept coming back to him and forgetting. Scientist. It's kind of unfair to say whether it stopped or not. Christine Nicola. They still remember to monitor you. That's why I'm here to put some danger coming in here today. Valerie Wolf. I know it's unbelievable, but it's factual. She gets stuff in the mail. She gets phone calls, writing things on her house, lewd things through the mail that they use. Coughing makes you unintelligible. Scientist 3. 
It's hard for me to imagine that a program as large and as complex as this could have gone on for so long without documentation. The question is, where is the documentation now? It becomes testimony, too, that it is said that if all the documentation on this is to be found within the CIA files, then it is a secret and they won't give it to us. But what you describe is a pattern of a very complex organization which involves people outside of the CIA as well. Therefore, there must be a substantial amount of documentation to be discovered. Could you describe to me what efforts have been made by yourself or others to try and track down this documentation? Valerie Wolf. Dr. Alan Schlefflin has been for several years filing Freedom of Information Act requests. Others have been writing books. I sent a package of information overnight mail to you. Discussion as to whether they have the information sent by Ms. Wolf or not is decided they are in receipt of it, but has not been read yet. Scientist 3. Does any of this documentation refer specifically to radiation experiments because we've been told by the CIA that they have did not any radiation experience at all? So what they need is any documentation on that. Claudia Mullen. All you have to do is look up anything on ORD. It was run by Dr. Stephen Aldrich, Martin Orne, and I gave you project numbers, subject numbers, even we were given numbers or subjects ourselves. Ms. Mullen offered additional information to the committee in an attempt to direct their search for files buried by the so-called researchers. Remember, both Mullen and Nicola were children at the time of their experiences. Mullen provided the committee with a list of project descriptions, pleading that a scientist look into any files containing mention of these projects. Umbrella. The first project number under which all of these other projects fell came under the Office of Scientific Intelligence and began in the early 1950s. Bluebird began in the early 1950s and is well known as the name of the CIA mind control project, but to confuse things, the same name was assigned to the secret Navy project. Artichoke, also in the 1950s, another well-known name that came out in the church committee hearings. This project experiment with everything and is likely to contain a good deal of radiation research. Operation Secret, included in this project was one called Sensitive Research. MKUltra, the best known of the mind control project and a catch-all code name for research and operations which are split into many different names to continue finding their projects and congressional attention and other press brought it to the public's awareness. MK Delta was operational aside of MK Ultra. It involved brain mapping and other psychological research. Often Dash Chickwit covered a number of experiments in Edgewood and Fort Detrick. Often recovered drug programs in the U.S. from the mid 1960s to mid 1970s and was spearheaded by Colonel George White in both San Francisco and New York City. Chickwit covered research outside the U.S. Third chance. It's thought to be proof is in the building. Proof is in the pudding project that mind control methods work completely and reliably. Human Ecology Fund, a.k.a. Human Ecology Society. This cover operation was formed when funding ran out for MKUltra. This was an example of privileged, privatized intelligence covert action. CIA operations run in the society were Chatter, LSD and other drug experiments which continued into the late 1970s. MK Search, where germ warfare and radiation experiments met, 
the Human Ecology Society, according to Mullen, became Experimental Research and eventually Association for Psychological Assessment. M.K. Naomi, research undertaken in M.K. Naomi, included the use of dangerous germs and some radiation. M.K. Delta, research included mind control experimentation with drugs and radiation. TRIMS, radiation research was carried out in an Air Force supervision somewhere in Texas. This research was similar to that conducted at the Radiological Laboratory of the Army Chemical Center at Fort Detrick under Dr. Wilson Green. Greenhouse was a 1940s project which involved bringing Nazi scientists into the U.S. Ms. Mullen says that Frank Church was invited to attend a demonstration of the effects of mind control and radiation. She says that he was then blackmailed and paid off to say there was nothing wrong with it, what they were doing. She said he got Lashbrook, Dr. Charles Goschlicker, and Colonel Monroe to testify that the radiation experiments were not a problem for people. All of these people, she says, were involved in mind control research. Coming away from the hearing, Valerie Wolfe said she didn't expect anything to come of their testimony. She was surprised, however, to find that no one major news medium carried out the story. Other survivors who were willing to testify about their experiences with this sort of experimentation or survivors who had thyroid glands removed and so forth filed their reports with the Freedom of Thought Foundation and on the internet at a number of mind control forums which sprung up in the 1990s.